Hey, thanks for stopping by. It's Extra Angie for breakfast. And you know I've been tinkering with this podcast since I started it, right? Just trying to work out what works, what doesn't. Well, as it turns out, one of the biggest responses was from a local as podcast that I put together. So I'm going to do one local as podcast with all my local chats with guests that join me on Triple M Southwest all in one place. So if you miss the show, you can get it all. And that way, if you heard one, but you missed another, you can skip past the ones you heard and catch up on the stuff that you might not have. So this is Everything Southwest. Enjoy. Angie for breakfast. I would like to talk to you about your most smug Southwest moments. (laughs) I had a huge smug Southwest moment over the long weekend. It gets crazy around these parts. There's traffic where there's never been traffic before. There's no parking. The shops are busy. The cafes are full, which is what we want. But... It's also, you know, pretty intense, especially at the moment. So my my smug moment was I took myself off to the Bunbury Farmer's Market and I went on a public holiday and I managed to pick the perfect window where there was barely anyone in the car park, barely anyone in the actual shop itself. And I thought to myself, yeah, I'm a Southwest local now. Angie's a scrappy backpacker from way back, scrimping on the small stuff to save for the big adventures. Pablo, well, he's a tight ass, but who will be Triple M's biggest scab? So cheap. Happy Friday, Pablo. Happy Friday, Angie. It's like Christmas morning here, trying to work out whether or not you've completed your mission. I'm so excited. You need more in your life, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this week... We played Triple M's Biggest Scab, where Pablo and I challenge each other to track something, someone, a story down, a memory, a thought, all sorts of different things, basically all for the story, really. We love meeting people in West Australia and just some of the most fascinating people we've ever come across, really. Absolutely. And it's no, no, no strange... And it's no wonder, because, you know, we're pretty fascinating ourselves, Pablo, if I can toot our own horn here... <laughs> Uh, even at the start of this week, given that we had a public holiday, we even sort of came up with a new idea for a segment when I pitched, you know, having a public holiday every single full moon. I think it would just make our calendar better. So this is how the week started and how the challenge went. Well, maybe we might have to make up a new segment, change the world <laughs> with Triple M and we'll just, you know, pitch things like this to each other. <laughs> Well, I'm sure our heads combined, we can uh, we can fix most problems. There. That's <laughs> such a load of crock. We are good for nothing except big scabs. <laughs> and it's fair to say, Anne, that we come from a long line of scabs. Oh, uh, my dad is a massive yeah. scab. Uh, before him, it was definitely my grandma. She'd have seen those cupboards. She was saving for, you know, the next war. All of her plastic bags and jars of pickles would be like real handy right now. Well, I'm still convinced I don't think my dad knows where the bin is because he never throws anything out. <laughs> Including shoes, apparently, from Pablo's dad, who couldn't wrap his head around the fact that Pablo needed the latest pair of Air Jordans so he could play basketball like Michael Jordan, a point that was definitely lost on Pablo's old man. 
But inspired by our scabby forebearers, Pablo asked me to track down the person in the southwest with the most amount of shoes. Denise, I wanted to hear about your uh, your shoe situation in your household. I have never known a man to have more shoes than a woman. <laughs> All never right, how many? How many have you got? Um, at present moment, where I'm at, I've got about three pairs. How yeah. many has your man got? I'm looking at a pair of sneakers at the moment. He's got a pair of work boots on, taking a pair of work boots with him. He's got two pair of dress shoes here, two lots of slippers, some other runners. Um, he's kept his old runners because he likes them so much. He's got bike shoes, so probably a good dozen plus. Can you answer one question that we're all wondering right now? <laughs> um how come he's wearing a pair of work boots and also taking another pair of work boots with him? Well, because if one pair is, one's actually starting to fall apart and the other pair is a new pair that he needs to wear in. <laughs> Ian, there we go. Denise would like you to throw away your scabby old shoes. Pa- Pablo and I are renowned for being scabs, but you, the, the aim is to have stuff that you can actually use, mate. <laughs> I actually told him last night about what was happening. <laughs> he cracked himself up. It was so funny. Whilst there are a number of shoes might have been a problem for Denise, seems like it was child's play compared to some of the numbers that I turned up on social media. Everything from just two pairs from Michael, work boots and dress shoes, 39 from Charmaine, 58 from Jenny, 60 to 70 pairs of shoes from Kim. But it was Nikki who got dubbed in by her mate Hells for how many shoes she owns. And I ended up with over 100 pairs to the point where I actually had a, wa- a walk-in um, dressing room and they had floor-to-ceiling shoe racks built in and they were like too deep on the racks. <laughs> That's like a real-life Sex in the City Carrie Bradshaw moment. Yeah, they, it was pretty out of control. So there you go, Pablo. Over That's 100 easy. pairs of shoes. That's like a house deposit. Well... Whatever you want to spend your money on, not everyone wants a house. Oh, clearly not. Wow. Over 100 pairs and double, double burst. (laughs) I'll send you the photo. (laughs) I'll put it up on socials. Oh, I mean, it's so funny to see the different extremes for people because we actually did this question as well just for a bit of fun. And I ended up chatting to a lady, Tracy, who only has one pair of shoes. (laughs) I was trying to find someone that owns no shoes. I thought that was going to be a cool story, but... You know, if you're still out there, one triple three five three. Welcome to the show, Jackson Barrett from the Southwest Times. Hello. Morning, Angie. I always enjoy your articles on sport. You can just tell what a passion you have for it, and just like you, uh, it's a real credit to you that you write our stories here the way that people would write about, you know, like the world titles and things like that. So thank you for being so dedicated. Thank you. That's um, yeah, what we try to achieve. It's very nice of you to say. Well, now I've made you blush. Now I want to <laughs> hear the news. So the paper's coming out tomorrow, and I'm sure there'll be heaps more in it, but we had a yeah. big cricket final over the weekend. Yeah, so the preliminary final between um, Colts and Marist at Forest Park. So these two sides, old rivals, um, they're the two big powerhouse clubs that are actually in Bunbury. Um and Colts got the chocolate, so a really good game of cricket. Um, it was quite an even game of cricket. A Bev, Bevan Bennell 47 at, at number three for Colts. 
push them up to to about 180 and then they took a few early wickets and, and put Morris on the back foot. They had to ride out a nice little knock from Ben Clark, who's the competition's leading run scorer. He batted really well early in that innings for Morris, but once he went, the dominoes started to fall pretty rapidly through the middle and towards the end and Colts ended up winning by about 60 runs. So what that means is that it sets us up for a, a huge grand final um, across Saturday and Sunday at the Eaton Sports Ground between Eaton and Colts at Eaton booked their ticket a fortnight ago when they beat Morris. Um, and so they've had the rest and then Colts are sort of the challenger away from home this weekend. So we spoke a few weeks ago, I think, about how um, there was a bit of a, a fight to keep the traditional two-day grand final. So that's been reinstated. It looked like we might go without it this year, but um, a nice strong pushback from the cricket community and we're, we're keeping our two-day grand final um, Saturday and Sunday. It's going to be a huge day out at Eaton. Eaton get Julian Credelli back. He was sort of the missing piece from their um, their semi-final win over Maris. He's far and away the best player in the competition this year, so he'll be a huge boost for them. And I guess the, the theme of what I've been writing about for, for tomorrow's paper is that Eaton feel that um, consecutive premierships, back-to-back premierships, is the missing piece in, in their club's history. They're celebrating 25 years this year. They've won three premierships in the last decade. They've all come fairly recently, um, but they've not gone back-to-back yet, so that's what they're keen to, to knock off. And I think the winner of of this weekend's game probably has a, a real claim to being, you know, the strongest club of, of the modern era, so to speak, Ooh. in Bunbury. There we go. Um, also, um, you've been doing some profiles on some local AFL stars. Yeah, so really exciting time of year with the AFL nearing. It's obviously a sport that um, we follow pretty closely down here in the Southwest Football League, but also um, really enjoy watching the Southwest boys at the at the top level. Um, and they've they're sort of really stuck into preseason now. So Freo and West Coast met in an Amy Community Series game, which is their last official practice match before Round One. We had a few. Well, we had one Southwest player feature. Um, that's Brady Hoss. He is this. He was a draft bolter. He was playing at HBL. He played for HBL in a couple of games HBL. last year. <laughs> Your club, Angie. <laughs> but it was a it was a couple of um, pretty incredible games at, at Peel Thunder that got him drafted. And now with this like torrid run of injuries at the West Coast Eagles, he's shaping as a, a real chance to to play round one. And a round one debut is considered like a real credit to to how a player's come into a club and. Um, and stepped up to the next level and dealt with an AFL preseason and stuff like that. So Brady's really, really highly regarded. Some awesome comments from um, Jack Redden, a, a midfield gun at West Coast, and also Luke Shuey, the club captain, about how well he's stepped into his role on halfback um, and looks like he's a real chance to play. Isaiah Winder's another one. Um, didn't play in this practice much, but still a chance to play in the forward line. Um, for the Eagles in round one, particularly if some of those fours, like Willie Rioli, are called upon to play a role in the midfield. And then some guys at the Dockers as well, Ethan Hughes, Conor Blakely, Jai Amos. They all missed out on this practice match. Um, Blakely still in the frame, maybe for round one. Ethan Hughes, I expect to see in round one, particularly with an injury to Nathan Wilson. Jai Amos will take a little bit longer, but good to see him in Dockers colours for the first time. See, what did I tell you about Jackson? He just bloody loves it. Hey, man, thanks for the update. Obviously, you can get all the details in the paper. Oh, I love Prince. (laughs) 
so much, 1999, although Holly has ruined it because uh, he just swore at me throughout that whole song for saying that he'd sent me a picture of his granddaughter. But he has sent me a picture of a young lady, and he said, I'll tell you about it. So let's get on Bustleton's most famous fisho. Fishing. A jerk on one end of the line, waiting for a jerk on the other end. What's fighting in the southwest on Triple M? And see, Holly, you go fishing for fish, and I go yeah, fishing yeah. for bites out of you. Yeah, bite. You got a good bite this morning. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll get to that one in a minute, though. But firstly, um, Amelia, on Wednesday was a big, uh, big 10th birthday. So, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, birthday to you. you. Happy birthday to you, Amelia. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, she's well, not so much little anymore. Yeah, she's just about as tall as me at the minute. So, so yeah, the big wait. 10. I know, double figures. So, yeah, she had a good day. And all the rotten as we do here, so that's why we can't get rid of it at the minute. So, but yeah, it's all good. Tuesday, Maxine and I had an extra, extra long, long weekend. Um, the weather was a bit gnarly in the morning. It was like 16 knot easterly, so we sort of bashed our way out and sort of got to the 12 mile, which is about 30 k's out. We sort of fished there, a couple of small fish, and then Maxine says, oh, where's that bird spot, you know, that one on stone? I'm going, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, I said, that's still about another 15 k's. And she's all, I had a dream about that spot last night, Holly, so... So as soon as it calmed down, we scooted out to this spot, right? First drop, Maxine, bang, 12 kilo Dewey. So, yeah. Whoa! <laughs> She's on to it. But yeah, we've got a couple of nice Deweys at a 12 and a 4. And also we've got a couple of nice half a metre plus big black ass pods. So yeah, just really good day. And then when I get home, always, I always send a photo to Mal Cockman. He's a, a good old mate of mine. Um, he goes down and cray pots off the West Coast. So I said, you know, do you want some fish frames? So he came around here, grabbed those frames. He said the craze, are, yeah, they're just, it's just been a funny season this year. He still goes down just about every day, calls his pots, re-baits them up and stuff, and um, he is getting a feed here and there. So, But um, speaking of craze and granddaughters, um, Monday, <laughs> Dave and, and Nadia. Oh, so this is the mystery lady that you sent me her picture. That's the picture, there's Nadia. She's the bar manager at the Albies Hotel. So she's, she's a um, dive master from Germany. Amazing. She's, yeah, and she's been keen to dive. She can't believe that we don't use tanks and stuff. We use this compressor that pumps us air to the bottom of the ocean. Well, so you can tell Nadia that most of us do use tanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you don't like the tanks after you took, we took you for a uh, hooker dive. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so you're taking Nadia out. Nadia, Dave, Cameron and myself are going to go up to Pepe on Monday, yeah, and see if we can get some craze for uh, Maxine's freezer and, um, yeah, have a taste and just... The weather looks really good for the next few days, except it's got a lot of north in it, too, which I'll get to that with the Blue Water Classic later. But, yeah, so, yeah, Monday we're going to go for a cray dive, and if they're in, we'll take you and um, Josh up for a dive as well the following weekend or something. So Sounds good. All right, crabs are sort of in as well, too, guys. Um, Easy and Michelle have been getting out in the dinghy in the afternoon, um, just doing a few runs and getting a nice speed of them. He also said last week he went into about 6 to 10 metres of water with some squid jigs. Get your jig about a metre off the bottom. He said he got some monsters. The, the hoods were sticking out of the bucket, guys, so there's some big squid getting around. Also, last week, a Samson fish was caught on the jetty, and the Matt from the maker was saying he's been still going out there in the afternoon or night time and getting a few squid and some whiting, some herring, so that's all happening. Now, the Blue Water Classic, we, you and I had a bit of a technical difficulty last week, but, um, yeah, it starts today, um, 11th, the 12th, and the 13th. Um, nomination later, guys. Not, uh, get there tonight, um, 5 till 7, go and nominate. But I think they are doing it today as well. Um, and the weigh-in times is Friday and Saturdays, 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. And then Sundays, 2 to 3 p.m. Some great prizes. 
And the top one is the Montebello Island, five nights, five days fishing safari with Fran. Oh. Yeah. And then Two Oceans Tackle's got a fantastic GPS sounder combo with two and a half grand. And then Nationalist Charters have a killer whale. Uh, Bring a Bay Eco Wilderness Expedition up there too, guys. They've got some great prizes. Now, the weekend weather for that, Saturday is West Norwesterly 6 knots, swinging Westerly 8 knots, and then picking up Westerly 11 knots in the Arvo. And then Sunday is South Westerly 6 knots, which is a good start, but then it swings to the north, um, which will northeast 2 knots, and dro- dropping off, but then South Westerly 10 knots. And Tomo, in saying with the north, he went out a couple of days ago. The wind swung to the north. That was, I think, the Wednesday. Um, any North Max and I just don't go. And um, the Jewies just don't like it for some reason. But he ended up getting a nice baldy, some nice big black ass as well. But he said didn't see a Dewey, hence that northerly guy. So hopefully they'll um they'll get some nice Jewies out there on the weekend and <laughs> Thursday might be another sick day for us, Maxine. Um tight lines. Love it, Holly. Enjoy. And um, you tell Nadia that if she wants to do some real diving, I'm diving all weekend this weekend, starting with a night dive on the Swan tonight. I'm so excited. So if you're getting wet this weekend, whether it's your line or jumping in, have a ball. Be safe. be honest, I normally look forward to catching up with this bloke. He's our top cop of the Southwest, but um, given the, the the horror that we had on the roads this weekend, it's always going to be a tough conversation to have, Jeff. Hello. Hey, Angie. It was a it was a bad weekend. It was a bad weekend. There's now three families planning funerals. Oh, God. And that that's that's a fact. And, you know, we, we were congratulating the community um, for Christmas and, you know, we had such a good run, but you said to me, you said it's not a matter of when, it's just, no, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when and bang, horrible. Yeah, we, all, it needs, all it needs is people to take their eye off the ball and just become complacent and uh, things like that. But we also got out of 17 funerals, uh, uh, because that's the number of drink drivers we charged over the weekend as well. So oh. uh, thankfully we saved those people and those families uh, heartbreak as well, you're welcome. Well, that's one way to put it, that's for sure. And um, just to anybody who has been affected by the deaths on the road, we're so sorry. We wish we didn't have to talk about this stuff, but the more that we do talk about it, the more that maybe when we sit in the car and we feel ourselves getting distracted, we'll do the right thing by, you know, pulling over, getting some fresh air, um, staying off our phones, sticking to the speed limit, sticking to the road conditions. It's, It's basic common sense. Angie, hit the nail on the head. We need to talk about it. And I've said it before. We need to sit around the kitchen table. We need to sit around the work crib room and and have a talk about the way we drive and and things like that. Because I've said it before, we all know people, and I'm not casting any aspersions on the people involved in these crashes over the weekend, but we all know a knob on the road. We We all know someone who's prone to drink driving. We all know someone that drives too quick. We all know someone who's a hoon driver. We'd like those conversations at home and workplace because they have much more impact if you're grabbing a family member or loved one and saying, stop being a dickhead. Yep, and there you have it. Um, what else we need to talk about is um, something that we've we've all sort of noticed um, looking at the comments online and specifically every time Mark McGowan does a social media post, it went from all hail Emperor Mark to um, this whole other sort of sledge fest, but it's sort of rubbing off on, on the police force and it's a little bit upsetting to see some of the stuff. Like, how are you guys all handling that? We hate it. We hate it. We see some vile people make comments 
about the police connecting uh, the way we police things around the pandemic. Uh, that's our job. We have to do that. And uh, people, some of the things that people are saying that we're Gestapo and we're jackboots to uh, the Premier and stuff like that, um, we're doing our job. But on top of that, we're doing everything else. And some of these comments are saying, I'll never, ever trust the police. I'll never call them if I'm ever in trouble. You know what? Last week, we had six other deaths that happened uh, during the week that we had to go and investigate some people and, and help families through the coronial process. That happens each week. We have between six and sometimes a dozen people die every week. And our young people are going out and, and helping uh, uh, family members through that. We had a search, a major search on the weekend looking for a lady that we thankfully we found her uh, before things got too bad. We, we go and investigate crime. We charged a drug dealer last week that's been bringing harm into the uh, community. You know, we go, we go and talk to the schools. We go and engage with the community and, and certainly with the enforcement through uh, the pandemic. We're enforcing by education and getting compliance with compassion and the handful a handful of people that are actually enforced uh, with either in the southwest or the district. And I can count on probably one hand the numbers that we've done in the southwest. We've done because people have had complaints made against them on a regular basis and we've had to step in and do something. But on a whole, I hate seeing these comments. And these people, uh, the keyboard warriors that, uh, that go and unleash and, and talk about their police, you know what? You'll, you'll need us and we'll keep backing up and going there and holding hands and, and actually dragging people out of really horrible situations. And I'm starting to rant now, Ange, but I just I just know the good work that my people are doing. And uh, don't, don't let uh, what you see on uh, social media, the University of Facebook, uh, tarnish the way you think of your police. We'll be backing up every week, going to these fatal crashes, helping people that need us and we'll be there whether you, uh, you, you think you need us or not. I don't think anything else needs to be said on that one. Jeff, we know the amazing work that you do. And look, Facebook isn't reality. And whilst it's horrible to read those things um, about your industry, people, I don't know why people think that social media is the place for it, but face-to-face is, you know, what you've got to remember. And people are so grateful for you and your whole team here in the Southwest and the amazing stuff they do. So thanks for the chat today. Yeah, no problems at all. And uh, as always, go Eagles. Joined by Peter from South Bunbury, who calls up for Buffet of the Week Award, another disembodied voice on the radio. Hello, Peter. Hello, Angie. How are you this week? <laughs> it's a good thing, too, because, you know, the talking heads on uh, on TV, you know, they've got, they've had hours in makeup and hair and all the rest of it. And you and I, we just get to drag out of bed and have a chat. <laughs> Well, they say I've got a good head for radio. <laughs> is, that all the, is that all the lads at Capel Golf Club say that? Well, they say other things, which is probably unrepeatable, but there you go. <laughs> we'll, we'll add that on the podcast, hey? That'll be good. <laughs> all right. Now, Peter and I get together once a week and we we just like throw maybe like rotten tomato. Maybe, maybe it's the modern day equivalent of like medieval times where they used to like string people up and throw rotten fruit at them. I reckon it's that that equivalent for modern days. It is that equivalent, yes. Yeah, so Buffet of the Week Awards, we call it. We do. And Peter nominates a Buffet. Well, this week, um, unfor- I, I, I've got to start off by Valet. Valet um, Rod Marsh and Valet Shane Warne. You know, my mum okay. is so heartbroken about well, Shane Warne. Like, she's 
because I was talking to her yesterday about, you know, how, how much conversation it's like, it's still dominating. And she said, yeah. but people, people are in shock and people need to talk about it. She's like, I need to talk about it. And, well, then, I, and then I went home and I had a chat with um, my partner about it. And you know, he's a massive cricket nuffy. Yes. Yes. I do know that. The man had tears in his eyes. I ended up with tears in my eyes. Like, well, what people don't understand, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'll, I'll pump up Rod Marsh. Okay, he was a different generation than Warney. Yeah. And but the two of them together just changed the face of cricket and sport and just general acceptance of sporting people's ways and you know how they behave and. You know, so like I say, all I can say is heartfelt condolences to both families. If anyone is struggling, you know, there's lifelines and everything like that. Um, but it leads me on to the buffet of the week. All right. Okay. Now, the buffet of the week goes to Pete Evans again. Oh, God. What has he done now? Do you well, follow was... Pete Evans on Instagram, Peter? Is this how you get the info? No, no, no. <laughs> this was on news.com. Oh, good. Right. He has tried to link the unfortunate passing of these two sporting people to vaccinations. He oh. has said, and he's come out and said, see, I told you so, um, vaccinations cause heart attacks in top flight sportsmen. Fancy coming out and saying something like that. How insensitive that is. Do you know what? It, uh, it goes hand in hand with the people that I want to nominate for uh, Buffet of the Week awards. Okay. Um, it's, it's social media. It's because when things are trending and you post about it, the artificial intelligence algorithms, um, boost it along because everyone's talking about it. So that's what Pete Evans has done there. He's, uh, taken an opportunity to maybe get a couple of extra likes or a couple of extra followers, but the people that are also done it. And I think it's on a, a far more like horrific scale is there's all these social media influencers all over the world that are like putting makeup on in the Ukrainian colours and taking selfies and making reels and Insta photos and using all the Ukrainian war hashtags to get their views up. So let's just put all the influencers that don't use their platform for good, let's just bin them today, Peter, and they all get buffed. So they're a rascal. Yeah, we have another rascal of buffets. Opportunistic (laughs) influencers. Yeah, I've just got to mention something that I thought was quite funny, and this is no disrespect to anyone involved. Um, Andrew Simons on the cricket, he happened, he was a mate of Warnie's, and he happened to mention that the uh, Victorian government were um, talking about naming a stand after Shane Warne, and Andrew Simons came up and said it should be called the One Night Stand. almost just cruel, uh, this next conversation I'm about to have, because whilst we're looking at the East Coast and seeing the devastation of what too much water brings, we look at our own backyard and we see our drying creeks and rivers and we wonder what we're doing here in WA. Well, there is always somebody working on solutions. So let me introduce you to Christy Shea. She's the Future Drought Fund Program Manager. Good morning. Good morning. How are you going? It seems like a difficult thing to talk about drought at the moment, given the East Coast, Christy, but thanks for joining me. Our pleasure. So um, basically, the Future Drought Fund is doing exactly what it says. Um, It wants to future-proof so we don't run into problems that we basically know are going to happen. Isn't that right? 
That's right. We're looking at strategies and community networked projects that allows and gives the communities confidence to come together and to talk about strategies uh, to combat future drought. And we recognise that Australia is a big, wide landscape and um, there's certain climatic events happening across the board, particularly in the east at the moment, but we recognise what happens in the west um, at the same time can be completely different. Yeah, and, and you're part of the found foundation so it's the FRRR basically um, and yeah this is just one of your many grant programs and there's been some recipients here in the southwest people doing some creative things great ideas bailing up boy up brook uh, we've got Caradale, we've got Rollins as well can you tell us a little a, a little bit about these communities who have received these funds yeah, sure. So we've got some great projects um, in the West. We've got the Ballinge Up um, Progress Guys looking at a field day. We've got some events happening in Boyertbrook looking at on-farm field days. We've got um, some land care projects happening in Carradale. And we've got some great initiatives looking at online community forums and information hubs as well, which is quite um, innovative. And we're really pleased to see um, diverse projects like that happening. One of the projects in Rowlands is um, a really good project that includes lots of diversity and that program actually rolls out across multiple states. Um, so we're looking at um, some really good benefits happening, not just to the, the West Pocket there, but um, that project will have little um, little nodes into our three other states as well. So it's really pleasing to see. Don't tease us. What are they doing in Rowlands? <laughs> so we've got a project um, that's bringing together um, sectors of the industry, um, including Indigenous leaders, um, and it's looking at uh, on-farm activity and creating stronger links um, with sectors and partnerships um, and looking at a model in Victoria, New South Wales and the West. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us and making sure that we know about the awesome stuff that's happening right here in our neck of the woods. And if anyone has you know, perked up and got a bit of interest and maybe they're looking at also future-proofing and looking at drought situation and things like that to link up with some of these projects that are happening. So if anyone wants any further information, um, you can get in contact with frrr.org.au online. Joining me is the Mayor of Bustleton, Mayor Henley. Good morning. Good morning, Edge. Good morning to all your listeners. Now, tell me about this quite interesting proposition that came about in council last night. It was, it's a pro-choice YouTube situation. Can you give us a bit of context? Okay, two different matters. Um, but yeah, at our meeting last night, we had to consider the outcomes of our special electors meeting, uh, which was held on the 21st of February. And, and that was around um, concerns raised by business owners and community members on the impact of vaccine mandates um, and, and other restrictions. Uh, we did have a councillor put up a different motion that, um, that said we should tell the Premier that we demand the immediate removal of the mandates and restrictions and due to a lack of evidence that a pandemic exists, that wasn't supported um, by the rest of the council. Uh, and we did support an advocacy position where we write to the Premier and advise him of the meeting that we held and um, also acknowledge that that may not represent the views of the majority of the community. Sorry, did you say with ev that because of lack of evidence that the pandemic uh, exists? That that was part of the alternative that was put forward by uh, by a councillor, and and uh, it was lost at the vote one two seven. Rightio. 
Mm. All right. <laughs> then on to the U Choose. Uh, yeah, U Choose program has been really good. It's it's a way we um, ask the community to decide how we spend some of our um, community funding. Um, so we had a hundred thousand this year as a, as a trial program, um, and organisations were able to put in. Uh, for their projects up to a maximum of $20,000. And then basically the community had their 100,000 tokens and, and they were able to apportion them as they saw fit on the relative merits of those uh, projects. And the ones that were most supported by the community, the council has endorsed and uh, and that funding will be uh, will be carried out. And some, some of those, for example, include Rotary who are doing a shelter bag, so providing uh, swags for homeless people, uh, we've got some other programs in regard to uh, end of life through our hospice and, um, uh, and and other programs in supporting pets of older people and, and some other really great projects around the town. But some, some really interesting ones, Waste Not Want Not, which is a, a food waste uh, program that uh, they're looking at trialling and uh, has to do with a black soldier fly and uh, yeah, a way of turning all that um, putrescent waste into really useful organic uh, product. People are amazing, aren't they? And a big shout out to the residents of Bustleton who are taking the, the council up on these offers and getting involved and, you know, really having an active say. I think that's really brilliant. Uh, something else that we wanted to touch on is taxis. What's happening with our Busso taxis? Yeah, so um, Bustleton Taxis has been on the market for some time. The, the business owners have been there for, for decades and, and they're looking to move on. But um, yeah, looking looking to get a, a purchaser at the moment is um, is proving a challenge. It's a really good business and, and it works really well. But um, um, yeah, we're we're certainly keen to work with um, uh, work with them to make sure that that service remains. And we've seen, unfortunately, taxi services fall over in a lot of smaller regional areas and uh, the challenges of uh, of um, things like Uber and, and uh, other ride shares coming in. And we really need that on-demand transport. Um, and so working with our local members to make sure that we advocate strongly for the retention of that service uh, in our communities. I know there'll be a lot of people relieved to hear that because if you don't have taxis, then drink driving kind of goes up and people think that they've got an excuse for it. And don't get me wrong, there is never an excuse to drink drive, but also having solutions is is really cool. Um, we've, Absolutely. We've got a question um, from some concerned Dunsborough residents. Um, there's a six-story building that – hang on, let me get this. <laughs> there is um, – there's a six-storey development that's been considered by the Regional Joint Development and Assessment Panel, which is set up by the Department of Planning. That's the uh, one. It has five members on the panel, uh, including myself and another councillor who are appointed by the Minister um, as the local government representatives and uh, three other planning uh, people with planning expertise who make up that panel and consider the, uh, the, the application at the moment. Uh, on that site, 24 Dunbay Road, I think it is. Um, there is an approval for a five-storey development. They've revised that and put in a development that is now uh, six storeys. Um, their original plan has been revised back somewhat, but, um, yeah, there's still a lot of opposition in the community and, and we'll have to consider that at the panel. Yeah, so there is a meeting at 1 o'clock um, this afternoon about that. Um, there's been a lot of um, residents saying that they don't want multi-storey buildings in Dunsborough. Um, there's another application. Well, what's going on here? Is it is it people from, you know, around Australia wanting to develop there or internationally or or is it local development? 
Yeah, there's, there's certainly an appetite for development. I, I understand that most of the developers are, are local uh, consortia that, that have put these, these developments together. And, and um, look, to be fair, some density and, and apartment development in the middle of Dunthrow, I think, would be would be good to diversify the housing mix. And, and there's a definite housing shortfall in Dunthrow as well. Uh, perhaps if people have the opportunity to go into apartments, then they can... Um, you know, free up some of those houses for families that are being displaced at the moment. But we, we have to consider this uh, application on its merits. I will say, however, that the councillor has heard the concerns of the Dunsborough community. Um, we've got a draft precinct structure plan over the uh, Dunsborough Town Centre um, that's almost ready to present to council and then we'll go out for consultation. And, and I think the community will see that we're listening to their concerns in that development. Well, always plenty happening in the city of Bustleton. Uh, myself, going to be taking advantage of the incredible swan wreck on Friday night. Get to do a di- night dive there. But uh, there's there's also the sellathon this weekend and a fundraiser for the Ukraine. Yeah, so Celathon in Signal Park on Saturday, eight till twelve, um, and that's um, that's uh, a recycling thing. So a big car boot sale. People come along and uh, and uh, hopefully. Um, bring something that they don't need and take away something that they do and reduce the impact on landfill. Um, and the Dunsborough Progress Association are putting together a, uh, an event, I think on Saturday night, called Together with Ukraine, so raising some money for some of the charities assisting in uh, those people in desperate need in, in the Ukraine and some local members of our Ukrainian committee uh, are getting together with the Progress Association to put that event on. Well, Mayor Henley, thank you so much for your time and I'll catch you in a couple of weeks. My pleasure, and enjoy the dive and um, say hello to my old bunk. Do you know what? The local fitness challenge that I've been caught up in this time has actually been so much fun, and I think it's because we've literally gone and built our own little community together. So here's a little bit of an insight about some of the people who are along this challenge with us. Being local and shopping and local and supporting our communities and getting fit. Let me introduce you to the team captains of this bloody challenge. Here we go. We've got Kelly from Sports Power. Andrew from South Bunbury. Alicia from Retrovision. Yes, and we might not be able to remember our names at the moment, and that's thanks to Tegan at World Gym. My God, guys. So I feel like at the start of this we were all ready for, like, the sledge-offs, the banter, like trying to trick each other. But, you know, we're three weeks into this now and I just feel like we're all in this horrible torture boat together. Kelly, Andrew, what do you reckon? My God. Um, It's challenging, it's hard, but it's good. And uh, Kelly, can you tell us a little bit about, like, what brought us all together to do this? It's not just about us trying to, you know, look like Insta models. Well, there is a little bit of that. Um, But, no, it was just about getting some local businesses together and networking, but also getting fit at the same time. And it's meant to be just a little bit of fun, but then it got a little bit serious. So here we are. Could we say, Alicia, that this is, like, the modern version of having a meeting on the golf course? I would say that. This is the place to be, I tell you. Group fitness, doesn't matter what type you do, just get out there, get moving and with people that want to do the same. And you know what, people like Andrew, I mean, you're going to know Andrew from the South Bunbury Footy Club, bit of a man about town, involved in all the sport, like rub shoulders with the Eagles. It's hard to be all high and mighty when you're just as dying as the rest of us. I think I know how some of those Eagles players feel now. And they, do th- they do this for a living, but seriously, it's, it is hard work. But as Kelly said, it's, um, it's a bit of fun and we are having a lot of fun, but we're just... 
we're limping away from these sessions, but it's it's all good, Venom. It's good health. Do you know what? From like a really weird, unexpected angle as well, I'm genuinely enjoying having met all these new people. Like I feel like we're achieving something together, and it sounds like I'm going to get my guitar out and sing Kumbaya, but you know what I mean. It's so good. Like mental health is a huge, huge issue at the moment in society, and it's just getting moving and being supported by people and especially local businesses gets the word out there we're all here for each other and we've been doing a nutrition program with results-based nutrition and michelle who's like killing us and giving us results all at the same time and do you know what this is actually something you can get a few businesses together and do at world gym isn't it Absolutely, yeah. It's the nutrition side of it's been very informative. I think learning a lot. Um, I don't think I've ever eaten so much food in my life, but yeah, the results are showing. So we're really happy so far. Now, Andrew, I know you're really good mates with our trainer. You've got free reign right here, right now. You've got the airtime from the bottom of your heart. What would you like to say to bloody Tegan? Oh, uh, look, she's hard, but she's there for the right reasons. No, no, no. We don't want to play nice. No, I'm not. Give me slagger out. No, nah, it's all right. No, nah, she's she's uh, pretty well experienced in the field. She's she's got strong backgrounds in sports science and all that sort of thing. So she knows what she's doing. So we're in good hands. She's little, but she's evil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, next week I promise you I'm bringing sledges only and none of this kumbaya nonsense. <laughs> See you Wednesday, moles. Thought that was the end of it, and then I got a little tap on the shoulder from Alicia from Retrovision, and she was prepared to go on record. We're just having a an off-mic moment with Alicia, who just wants to say to me and you, not in front of the other team captains, what she really thinks of Tegan. She's a pint-sized dictator that can deadlift your husband. <laughs> Such a good description of it. <laughs> so it's, if this is something that you're interested in doing, getting together a group of businesses that you work with or, you know, people that you love, get it together and go and have a crack at it. Because honestly, building this community ourselves has been really awesome. So it was the local fitness challenge, building healthier and stronger teams in Bunbury. Thanks for having me as part of it. And we're only week three, so we've got a lot, a long way to go. I'm talking to Danny, who's just one person on a whole committee who has organised 2022's Chef's Long Table Lunch for Bunbury. Hey, Danny. Hey, Angie. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. What you guys do is incredible. I mean, the amount of money that you've raised year on year and the fact that you're still able to pull an event together during the big sea times. Bravo to everybody. Yes, the committee has worked very hard and we cannot thank our sponsors and supporters enough, including all our wonderful patrons who have bought tickets for this year. We are so privileged to have a community that is willing to go all in to make this happen. Now, in case people don't know about the Chef's Long Table Lunch, it's something that has taken me a while to to hear about because basically it sells out just about as quickly as the tickets go on sale, doesn't it? Yes, so uh, this year was definitely the quickest it sold out, which is amazing. Um, So we are a charity event. This is our 19th annual event. It started in 2004 with our founder, Loni Kershaw. She had this idea to host a lunch to raise money for local community events. Um, The first event we supported was the Society to Conserve the Bunbury Jetty. So that was in 2004 and it has grown from there and we have can put a hand on our heart and say we have now supported over 100 different beneficiaries from starting in 2004 to now. Absolutely incredible. So 100 beneficiaries have shared in 
That's incredible. That's averaging 60K raised per luncheon. How do you guys do this? So we have so many amazing supporters. So I would like to give a shout out to our um, name supporters this year, who is Bunbury Volkswagen, part of the Driving the Southwest group. We're so privileged to have them on board and they've signed up for three years to support the event. We also have Jewelers Goldsmiths, who's back on board for their fourth year, which is absolutely phenomenal. So throughout the day, we have different chefs come in. They do a dish each. We have some amazing produce from crayfish to brisket to prawns. Um, We have just some amazing lamb produce this year as well. Yum. And it's a massive uh, buffet of food throughout the day with entrees, mains, and, of course, you've got dessert to finish it off, as well as different uh, local wineries throughout the Geograph wine region who donate um, all the wine as well. And we also have Gage Roads um, donating all our beer and cider. That's awesome. Gage Roads, awesome, awesome local oh, yeah. brewery. They're Definitely always at all the events. Yeah. <laughs> and the beneficiaries this year include Lionheart Camps for Kids, and that's the Southwest Camp, which is really beautiful. Rotary Sail into Life, which is sailing and fishing for all. Um, who else have we got? We have the Southwest Refuge for their Safe at Home project. Buffalo and Hospice Care, which is Lasting for Words pilot project. The Writing for the Disabled, they needed some assistance in buying more equipment so they can help more people. And we also had the National Sporting Association um, wanting a sports camera to be able to train their staff, their trainers, their umpires and all their players throughout six different clubs. Well, Danny, it's people like you and the people that instigated this thing and the people that keep showing up and buying tickets and pouring money back into our local communities that we have to thank for this. So enjoy your fabulous luncheon. And, uh, yeah, big shout-out to everyone involved and I hope you have a fab weekend. Woohoo! That was nearly an hour of dedicated locals-only goodness. So... If you liked it, can you give me some feedback? I'm desperate here. I'm not even going to pretend. I want to make sure that you are getting something out of this. Otherwise, I will put my energy in other directions. Also, you can check out Operation Scuba's podcast if you didn't check that out. It's 20 minutes. It's an absolute belter of how we pulled off the world's first scuba radio show. Thanks for being here. You've been magnificent. I've been Angie. Angie for breakfast. 